This is Tuesday, September 14th, and we're launching into this little letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Colossa. It's called the book of Colossians. Now here we find that the Apostle of Jesus, Paul, is in prison. Yes, he's writing his letter from prison. Now this was a big deal at this time. The Middle East at the time was a shame-based culture, and it remains so today. And that means that people feared being shamed in the community more than almost anything else. Status in your community, how you were seen and considered by others, determine the trajectory of your life. So to be put in prison for any reason was to lose status, to lose friends, and oftentimes to lose the support you needed to survive. And Paul, well, he wasn't just anyone. He'd been schooled by the best of the rabbis. He came from the best of the tribes of Israel. He had the strongest credentials possible. Before he came to faith in Christ, he was a man of standing in the community. You wonder what happened to him? Jesus confronted him while he was on a journey to the city of Damascus. His mission was to hunt down and persecute Christians. You see, at the time, Christians were seen as little more than an offshoot of Judaism, a heretical movement that needed to be stamped out. And Paul was only too happy to do the stamping. His determination to oppose Christians gave, gave him even greater status among his own people. But here's how Paul describes his story. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence, I have more. He was circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. As to the law of Pharisee, as to a zeal, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. Well, whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. That's Philippians 3, 4 to 8. Yes, here Paul gives us his resume. And at the same time, he says that his encounter with Jesus opened his eyes to the fact that his resume was rubbish. Compared to life in Jesus, the things he could say about himself, well, they were empty. They were no reason for boasting at all. And what happened after that is one of the most shocking stories in all of Scripture. The guy proud to be Jewish, hunting down Christians for sport, became a follower of Jesus. The Jew of Jews became the missionary to the Gentiles. How did this happen? Well, in the face of legalistic Judaism, the moral code of the law that Paul could never fulfill, he received forgiveness through Christ. All that he could not achieve by his religious practice, even as an extremist, was given to him freely by God. The very thing he sought to expose, oppose became his life. You see, this explains why Paul, though he should be in shame sitting in a, in a jail, 
here's what we find. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and prisoners were listening to them. That's Acts 16.25. Really, you say? Paul is in prison. (laughs) He doesn't know what's going to happen next, but he's praising God. How can he be doing that? Well, it was his faith in Christ that reframed his life. Reframing is taking the same picture, the same situation, and placing it in a new and different context. He's there in prison for the sake of Christ. He's there because he was sharing the gospel. He knows he is there by the will of God. The purposes of God are being revealed in his life. He has joy in God that prison cannot take away. Yes, that night there was an earthquake that shakes the prison, but I like to think there was an earthquake before the earthquake. Paul was praising God in prison. The prisoners are listening to Paul and Silas, and they're worshiping. And they must think these guys are off their rocker. It seems so strange. But because of the gospel and what Jesus has done for him, Paul has come to trust the will of God in his life. As Paul states in his letter to the Christians in Rome, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? You see, Paul knows that if God has given his son on on his behalf, God will not withhold anything from him. He knows that God is for him. This is the assurance we have when we come to understand the gospel. Our lives are reframed by the love that we see God has for us. And we learn that nothing can separate us from God's love for us in Christ. And because Paul can see this, he begins to see his prison experience not as a mistake, but as a God-ordained opportunity in his life. His situation doesn't lead him to complaining against God or pleas for his release. You're going to hear none of that in this letter. Now, mind you, he doesn't want to be in prison, but he knows that this too remains in the hands of our sovereign God. Yes, this would have brought Paul immense shame if he was living out of his self-constructed identity. But that's not the case for Paul as he's resting in Christ and as he knows himself to be loved by God. How does the gospel, God's love for you, reframe your life? How does the love of God for you bring you joy when your circumstances, well, they may not be ideal? And how can you rest in God's love for you today? Let's pray. Loving Father, the perspective of everything in my life changes when I see Jesus. I know that despite my circumstances today, I am loved by you. We know that whatever happens to us today flows from your goodness. Remind us of your presence in our lives and your faithfulness that is renewed every morning. In the name of Jesus, amen.